0: section 10 of dedications this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org dedications by mary elizabeth brown to dignitaries of church and state part two the works of joseph addison 1719 to the right honourable james craggs esq his majesty's principal secretary of state dear sir i cannot wish that any of my writings should last longer than the memory of our friendship and therefore i thus publicly bequeath them to you in return for the many valuable instances of your affection. That they may come to you with as little disadvantage as possible, I have left the care of them to one Thomas Tickle, whom, by the experience of some years, I know well qualified to answer my intentions. He has already the honor and happiness of being under your protection. And as he will very much stand in need of it, I cannot wish him better, than that he may continue to deserve the favour and countenance of such a patron. I have no time to lay out in forming such compliments, as would but ill suit that familiarity between us, which was once my greatest pleasure, and will be my greatest honour hereafter instead of them accept of my hearty wishes that the great reputation you have acquired so early may increase more and more and that you may long serve your country with those excellent talents and unblemished integrity which have so powerfully recommended you to the most gracious and amiable monarch that ever filled a throne may the frankness and generosity of your spirit continue to soften and subdue your enemies and gain you many friends if possible as sincere as yourself when you have found such they cannot wish you more true happiness than i who am with the greatest zeal dear sir your most entirely affectionate friend and faithful obedient servant j addison june 4th 1719 the concluding stanza of tickle's introductory poem addressed to addison's stepson the earl of warwick records the death of both addison and craggs before the publication of the works these works divine which on his deathbed laid to thee, O crags, the expiring sage conveyed. Great but ill omened monument of fame, nor he survived to give, nor thou to claim. Swift after him thy social spirit flies, and close to his, how soon thy coffin lies. Blessed pair. Whose union future bards shall tell in future tongues each other's boast, farewell, farewell, whom joined in fame, in friendship tried, no chance could sever, nor the grave divide. La fanatisme humain le prophete, by Voltaire, seventeen forty one dedicated to pope benedict the fourteenth most holy father your holiness will pardon the liberty taken by one of the humblest of men but one of the greatest admirers of virtue in dedicating to the head of the true religion a work directed against the founder of a false and barbarous religion to whom could i more appropriately address the satire upon the cruelty and the errors of a false prophet than to the vicar and imitator of a god of peace and truth may your holiness deign to permit me to lay at your feet both book and author i dare ask of you protection for the one and a blessing for the other it is with these sentiments of profound veneration that i bow and kiss your sacred feet paris august seventeenth seventeen forty five voltaire's enemies cried out against the impieties of this tragedy which was performed at paris in august seventeen forty two and it was withdrawn after three representations voltaire wrote to D'Argental on august twenty second that since he was the victim of jansen east he would dedicate Mahomet to the pope this he proceeded to do and the pope flattered in his literary self-love replied most amiably to his dear son spoke of the admirable tragedy which he had read with great pleasure and discoursed of literary matters in answer the virtuous voltaire declared that he was forced to recognize the papal infallibility, in literary as in other matters all this correspondence proved most astonishing to the philosopher's enemies night thoughts by edward young seventeen forty two to seventeen forty four night first was dedicated to the right honourable arthur onslow esq speaker of the house of commons of the nine knights seven had separate dedications to the earl of wilmington the duchess of bedford mr york and so on the life and opinions of tristram shandy gentlemen by lawrence stern second edition seventeen sixty to the right honourable mr pitt sir never poor white of a dedicator had less hopes from his dedication than i have from this of mine For it is written in a by corner of the kingdom, and in a retired, thatched house, where I live in a constant endeavour to fence against the infirmities of ill health, and other evils of life, by mirth, being firmly persuaded that every time a man smiles, but much more so when he laughs, it adds something to this fragment of life i humbly beg sir that you will honour this book by taking it not under your protection it must protect itself but into the country with you where if i am ever told it has made you smile or can conceive it has beguiled you of one moment's pain i shall think myself happier than any one one only excepted That I have read or heard of. I am, great sir, and what is more to your honour, I am, good sir, your well-wisher and most humble fellow-subject, the author. In the eighth and ninth chapters of Tristram Shandy, Stern writes to an imaginary lord, my lord, I maintain this to be a dedication notwithstanding its singularity in the three great essentials of matter form and place i beg therefore you will accept it as such and that you will permit me to lay it with the most respectful humility at your lordship's feet when you are upon them which you can be when you please and that is my lord whenever there is occasion for it and i will add to the best purposes too i have the honour to be my lord your lordship's most obedient and most devoted and most humble servant tristram shandy he goes on i solemnly declare to all mankind that the above dedication was made for no one prince prelate pope or potentate duke marquis, earl viscount or baron of this or any other realm in christendom nor has it yet been hawked about or offered publicly or privately directly or indirectly to any one person or personage great or small, but is honestly a true virgin dedication, untried on, upon any soul living. I labour this point so particularly merely to remove any offence or objection which might arise against it from the manner in which I propose to make the most of it, which is the putting of it up fairly to public sale etc sermons on the lord's prayer by charles churchill circa 1765 while dedications are not always altogether pleasing to the persons to whom they are addressed it is not often that their very abusiveness adds to the market value of the books which contain them as in the case of churchill's sermons on the lord's prayer among their reputed authors posthumous papers was found an unfinished dedication to william warburton dean of bristol and bishop of gloucester the character of which inspired the publishers to give two hundred and fifty pounds sterling for the ten sermons to which it was prefixed sermons so poor in themselves that they are generally believed to have been the work of a duller but better man than the writer of the roshiad whoever originally delivered the discourses however there can be no question as to the authorship of the dedication it is written in a strain of terrible irony FROM THE BOOKS OF LAWRENCE HUTTON, 142, EXTRACTS FROM THE DEDICATION, AS GIVEN BY WHEATLEY, FOLLOW. TO THE GREAT Gloucester, HEALTH, NOR LET THY TRUE AND PROPER LOVE OF WEALTH HERE TAKE A FALSE ALARM. IN PURSE, THOUGH POOR, IN SPIRIT I'M RIGHT PROUD nor can endure the mention of a bribe thy pockets free i though a dedicator scorn a fee let thy own offspring all thy fortunes share i would not Allan rob nor Allan's heir doctor dean bishop gloucester and my lord if haply these high titles may accord with thy meek spirit let not thy brain as brains less potent might dizzy confounded giddy with the height turn round and lose distinction lose her skill and wonted power of knowing good from ill of sifting truth from falsehood friends from foes let gloucester well remember how he rose nor turn his back on men who made him great let him not gorged with power and drunk with state forget what once he was though now so high how low how mean and full as poor as i the bishop of gloucester gorged with power lived fourteen or fifteen years after this and must have found comfort in the fact that the publishers of the sermons suffered as much in their pockets by the venture as he did in his feelings from the books of lawrence hutton a new and complete system of arithmetic by nicholas pike seventeen eighty six to his excellency james bowden esq governor and commander-in-chief of the commonwealth of massachusetts and president of the american academy of arts and sciences may it please your excellency the author of this system anxious to procure for it a favorable reception from his fellow citizens takes the liberty of soliciting the honour of your excellency's patronage as this work is the first of the kind composed in america he feels he is entitled to the candid indulgence of the learned in general and from your excellency's zeal for the advancement of the sciences and attachment to the republic of letters he rests assured that the public will pardon him the ambition of inscribing your name to this literary attempt that your excellency may long continue the ornament of your country and the delight of your friends is the ardent wish of may it please your excellency your excellency's much obliged most Obedient and Very Humble Servant Nicholas Pike Newbury Port, Commonwealth of Massachusetts, June first, 1786 In the Library of Mr. G. A. Plimpton Pike offered to dedicate the book to Washington, as the following letter from Washington shows. Mount Vernon, 20th June 1786 sir your letter of the twenty-fifth of march did not come to hand till lately or it should have had an earlier acknowledgment it gives me the highest satisfaction to find the arts and sciences making a progress in any country but when i see them advancing in the rising states of america I feel a peculiar pleasure, and in my opinion every effort of genius, and all attempts towards improving useful knowledge, ought to meet with encouragement in this country. Your performance is of the most useful and beneficial kind, and from the opinion of those gentlemen who have inspected it, I have not the least doubt that it is a very valuable one i feel a grateful sense of the honour which you have designed me by wishing to dedicate your book to me and would even sacrifice my own ideas of propriety respecting the matter so far as to comply with your request if i thought that by a non-compliance i should discourage so good a work but sir as there are several characters in your part of the country who deservedly hold a high rank in the literary world and whose names would add dignity to such a performance it would be more proper if i might presume to offer my opinion upon the matter to dedicate your book to them i must therefore beg leave to decline the honor which you would do me as i have before done in two or three cases of a similar kind with sincerest wishes for the success of your work and much esteem i am sir your obedient humble servant g washington to nicholas pike esquire dissertations on the english language by noah webster jr esq boston 1789 to his excellency benjamin franklin esq lld frs late president of the commonwealth of pennsylvania the following dissertations are most respectfully inscribed by his excellency's most obliged and most obedient servant the author dedications are usually designed to flatter the great to acknowledge their services or court their favor and influence but very different motives have led me to prefix the venerable name of franklin to this publication respect for his excellency's talents and exertions as a great philosopher and a warm patriot I feel in common with all the lovers of science and freedom, but my peculiar admiration of his character arises from considering it as great in common things, etc., etc. The Hadaya, or Guide, a commentary on the Mussulman laws, translated by Charles Hamilton. 1791 to warren hastings esquire late governor general of bengal etc sir after the labor of several years i am at last enabled to present you with a translation of the Hadaya. to you sir i feel it incumbent on me to inscribe a work originally projected by yourself And for some time carried on under your immediate patronage. However humble the translator's abilities, and however imperfect the execution of these volumes may be, yet the design itself does honour to the wisdom and benevolence by which it was suggested. And if I might be allowed to express a hope upon the subject, it is That its future beneficial effects in facilitating the administration of justice throughout our Asiatic territories and uniting us still more closely with our Mussulman subjects may reflect some additional lustre on your administration. I have the honor to be with the utmost respect and the most lively gratitude and esteem sir your most obedient and most humble servant charles hamilton the diversions of Purley by john horn Tooke, eighteen o five volume two to Messrs. james haygarth thomas harrison edward hale thomas drain matthew whiting norrison coverdale robert maris william cook charles pratt matthias dupont william harwood henry bullock to you gentlemen my jury i present this small portion of the fruits of your integrity which decided in my favor the bill of chancery filed against my life and to my learned counsel the hon thomas erskine vickery gibbs esq and their assistants henry dampier esq felix Vaughan, esq john gurney esq the reference is to horn Tuke's trial november 1794 for high treason on the ground of his supposed connection with the corresponding societies which had circulated paine's writings and had been in communication with French revolutionary leaders, Tuke had been engaged in the dangerous amusement of making sham confessions to a spy. End of Section Ten.